good morning. Welcome to the Science Podcast with me, Mr Short, and Mr Atkinson. Morning, everyone. And we're joined by Mr Forsyth. Morning, everyone. And uh, we are missing today our biologist, Mr Kartner. So, hello to Mr Kartner. Yes. Uh, So today we're looking at um, NASA. So we're thinking about what NASA has done for us, the the, um, space organisation in America, uh, which has sent rockets to the moon and satellites up, uh, and what what innovations they've had that have trickled down into real life. Because a lot of the time we think that uh, innovation has to have an end use, a practical use, and quite often uh, blue skies research just investigating something for the sake of it can result in, in things that we use in everyday life. So, um, Mr. Atkinson, have you, you got anything to start off with? Uh, well, I say that as if you haven't, but you yeah. will have. Uh, I hope you do. <laughs> I would, uh, me too. I would start with the CAT scan. The CAT scan, which is like a kind of three-dimensional X-ray, that was the result of NASA. And how, how was that a result of NASA, do you know? So I did have to do a little bit of looking up into this. Uh, it was it was due to digital imaging and the Jet Propulsion Lab, and one thing kind of led to another. So the Jet Propulsion Lab is sponsored by NASA, so they also funded by NASA, but uh, is part of uh, Caltech, California yeah, Technologies. Yeah, but it's, it's covered by the same national budget that NASA right. get as well. So CAT scan is just like a three-dimensional X-ray. The idea is that rather than just putting your arm or a leg down on a, a a platform and then they fire the radiation in you kind of just lie down on a kind of bed and there's a like a giant big polament shaped structure and you go in the middle of it and then it moves along the body and it also rotates so it fires x-rays in kind of 360 degrees to form a three-dimensional image of whatever it is they're looking at the downside of it is obviously that the, the radiation dose that you receive is significantly larger than a one-off x-ray because it's like lots of x-rays being fired in at once. Oh, I was already invested when you said lie in bed. <laughs> <laughs> so how did NASA come up with this? Oh, that I don't know. I just, oh. <laughs> I, just, I just found it out. It was just something that I came across and I didn't realise. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, let, let, well, the pen... The pen that writes in space. Oh, yeah. that, that's a bit of a, an urban myth that the, the wanted a pen that would write upside down because pens are dependent on gravity and the ink being forced downwards towards the earth and through the pen so you can write. Now, so if you try and write... Magic, with, is <laughs> pencil. If you try and write with a, a pen so the <laughs> upside down, it won't work. So in space, you can't have a pen that works. So the story is that NASA spent thousands of pounds developing a pen that would write upside down, yeah. and the Russians just used a pencil. pencil. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> which would write upside down. But that's not true. They all used pencils to begin with, mm-hmm. but they got fragments of graphite coming off, which would interfere or could oh, right. cause damage, and pencils are flammable as well. Into the, into oh. the yeah, so it wasn't actually NASA that developed it. They spent thousands of pounds on these um, mechanical pencils, mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. Um, and it's an independent company that worked out that you could use uh, nitrogen inside a sealed cartridge 
they would force the ink onto the paper so it could write upside oh, down, underwater, in high temperatures and low temperatures. Because it's then, quite simple in essence, yeah. isn't it? It's just a little bit of pressurised gas that forces a ball yeah. bearing that pushes the ink down. That's right. Yeah. And it only works, the, the ink is thicker as well, I think. And it only works, it must be like the fixotropic yeah. mixtures, like the oublet. Yeah. So when you force it, oh no, it must be the opposite. It must be the opposite when you, you opposite, don't. Yeah, when you're forcing it down, it seems to um, move and become more liquid. Um, and they sold it to, the NASA bought loads at discounted price. Uh, the Russians bought some as well at the same price. There was no inflated price for the Russians. Uh, and that seemed to work. I'm disappointed with this. I saw it started being in black. I know where all the technology came from. Come on. i got one, one for baby formula. Okay, it baby was, formula. Yeah, baby formula. Now, before you go any further. No, I just know this thing. It's not that I'd use it periodically. No, it's a nutritional input. You don't judge me for that. There are no babies in space, so there, baby formula. Uh, there are no, well, there shouldn't be babies in space. It's, they, they were testing it. Let's try it. Uh, it was used as a recycling material for some particular reason. It's actually used in the recycling, but what they've actually found, because it's algae based, was the, the formula that they actually ended up using. Now, I don't know what the basis is when the recycling that they had, but it contains a couple of uh, essential fatty acids. Uh, there, as therefore, it's part of the basis for baby food. So this is the recycling on like, the space station. The space station. So they recycle their water. Yeah, and materials that they're actually using. Okay, and the food that comes out of that? No, I think one of the components, the components. that's part of the, the baby formula or the recycling agent right. is is also contains these fatty acids and therefore it's been incorporated into baby food. Well, I thought, hang on, this is quite nutritious, we should put this in baby food. Well, you know, everybody likes something. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> what does that taste like? Hey, students, they say, can we drink this? It's like, I'm like recycling agent. Mm, okay. You <laughs> mentioned that last week, didn't we? About Please. how you tell if, if don't, something's a fault. Don't lick things. Don't edit me. Don't, don't lick things. Health and safety, don't lick stuff. We can give you goggles, protect your eyes. We cannot stop you licking don't stuff. Don't lick the goggles. Don't do that. How about this one? Wireless headphones. All your ear pods and things for your iPhone. Yeah. That was the result of Anessa. Yeah, now, that, that, now that's been used everywhere because people yeah. we see pupils around all the time with their earbuds in hooked up to their phone. So why would NASA develop this technology? And we'll explain a little bit about it, what it actually is. It was ultimately just so that the astronauts could uh, communicate with one another when they were not within the ISS. Yes, So and also because obviously if you had wires you, you're going to struggle if you're moving about, like if you're outside the space station they you can't be so long. Because yeah. you cannot have a wire and then that breaking and not be able to communicate. Well, so whatever gets cut. Yeah, and yeah. you can't use hand signals. So what what is the wireless technology? What's it based on? So wireless energy transfer. It was actually first demonstrated. So Tesla, the guy that you know we associate with the, the electric cars and things, Tesla actually first demonstrated this principle in 1897, I believe, in Lake Madison, and he had a little boat, just a, a remote control toy boat, yeah. which he used to transmit radiation that transferred energy to and the that would be radio waves. So that's radio controlled car, radio yeah. controlled boat. Yeah. Now, the, your headphones that you listen to, it's not quite radio waves, it's on the same wavelength, isn't it? Oh, uh, well, I don't know the exact wavelength. Right. It's the, a little bit shorter, I think. Perhaps. It would probably be because they would want so greater energy. You don't have, obviously, so you would do this in national level physics, you yeah. look at diffraction, the ability of a wave to either bend around an obstacle or get through a gap. Now obviously in space there are 
next to no gaps, there's nothing there to interfere with the signal. So therefore they don't really need signals that have high diffraction capability. But uh, it's about the microwave radiation, isn't it? Uh, like the Bluetooth mm-hmm. that they use is yeah, microwave level. Phone communication, yeah. Yeah. it's all mic- they're yeah. called radio signals, but yeah. they're actually not radio signals. Because we also do that uh, uh, National Force Science yeah. in fourth year. Um, so how far would that travel then? How far are these Bluetooth? Because they're not. Because if you've had yeah, your earpiece you signal, if you're not yeah. in beyond a certain distance or not line of sight, etc., oh, blocked, you can end up blocking Bluetooth signal. Have you done exactly. the experiments? How far? How far do you get it to travel? How far can you push a spaceman? <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me? The only do the you not try this in space. The only experiments that we, so for example, fourth year science again. Uh, we would take a, it's like a remote control or a Bluetooth yeah. wireless speaker. Somebody would connect it to the phone, play some music, and then you just walk along the corridor and see how far you can go. And we did get from the door to this room in S12 all the way down to the bottom of the corridor and oh. up, and we could still <laughs> How get. far is that? How many metres? So from... Oh, crikey now. It's at least 40 because right. from 17 into the doors at Mr. Wardrop's was 41 metres. And have you tried it outside? Never tried it outside, actually. Yeah. No. Have you tried I, it outside? No, we didn't, we didn't try it last no. time. I think it's much shorter outside. I don't think yeah, it goes as far yeah, as I Because you've not got anything to yeah. reflect the signal and collect them. Yeah. So you wonder if the spacemen outside in this, uh, the ISS... I mean, that must travel, I don't know how big the ISS is, but it must travel all the way around the ISS with no, nothing to interfere with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it needs to be slightly higher frequency to be slightly greater energy. Uh, yeah, and then it won't travel through the ISS into the ISS. There must be a different way of communicating that, unless there's a receiver and transmitter yeah. outside the ISS which communicates with them. Very likely, because it's, it's likely to be a Faraday cage yeah, as well. Yeah. That's another uh, experiment we do. In fact, you get so many cars now that have that keyless entry, so you can keep your key in your pocket. Yeah. You just yeah. walk up to your car and then it just open, it'll unlock yeah. um, because it senses your key. Yeah. Uh, and there have been several cases of like digital theft where people have... You know, they just, just scan for a, a wire. Yeah, they just scan for a wireless key. Do something. They have some sort of device. There's a video on YouTube, and it's a guy, a couple of guys down in Lancashire, I think. Right. And there's a big fancy BMW or Mercedes out front, and within one minute, they have found the key, digitally copied it. Guy just opens the well, door. Surely, there is a relatively easy solution in that if you park your car, because they must be waiting for somebody to park the car. Then they wait for them to come out of the car, then they scan for it because they can see the person and the car. Well, so if you put even. your key in a metal device once you've left, would that not stop that? It does, uh, yeah, actually, you can buy them. You can buy them all if you can do the same yeah. with your chip and pen. Yeah, yeah. Same sort of, yeah it's the same so put it in a, as soon as you leave your car, do that. That's, I've actually got one of them in the house and I just yeah. stick my keys in. But, uh, in the house? Because yeah. you're frightened of being frightened <laughs> in the house. <laughs> Why not? Anybody could come by and steal your radiation data. Well, not, not if... Not if not you not <laughs> not <laughs> your data. Physics will protect me. Wow. There's a word you want in it. Physics will protect me. You don't take the metal uh, pocket or box with you then? Uh, no. 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 So you haven't got it on you just now, so I could scan you just now and probably if you've got your key got on you, pick it. up the information. There you go. Yeah, right. right. Why don't we? But I do have the you alluded to the, the little wallets, the RFID yeah. wallets. I've got them in there. So what would do you think just like um, uh, aluminium foil would stop it? So if you just wrapped works, it in aluminium works foil. Perfectly. In fact that was one of the investigations that we did. What oh. materials work? Yeah. You ever do that thing as well where if you're to unlock your car 
and you don't have the, the distance, hold it to your head. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You ever tried that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking rubbish here. No, no, it does what? So it does what? You, you I'm just intrigued that he's bought this piece of equipment to protect his kit, and it's like, you should have just got some foil in the kitchen. <laughs> hold on, you put wow. your key to your head, why? Yeah, just, so just hold, curve reflector. Just increase Empty space. Uh, <laughs> no, there's nothing in there. There's nothing in between there to interfere with the signal. <laughs> it, it does work. It does work. You put when your battery's running low. You put yeah. your electric key to your head, key fob to your head for your car. Doesn't even need to be with the batteries though. You just pre- eventually, when you get too far away from your car, if you, you want. Can, you know, <laughs> well, do it tonight, dip and then you go out. Right, so you tonight I'll put the car in the street and I'll walk away and when it doesn't work, I'll go an extra few metres, put the key to my head and, and see if it does. And it will work. Do you know what this this reminds me of a couple of <laughs> this reminds me of a couple of months ago where he didn't believe me on how the, the physics of how bikes work. That was a mistake, Lord, clearly. You didn't believe him. <laughs> Alright, okay. Moving on from wireless technology. Yeah. Uh, batteries. Batteries. Now, I think batteries are We've had batteries for ages, but batteries, like, you know, with enough power, like the cordless vacuum, I think, is a NASA spin off. Is it? Yeah. Well, it's on their website, so. Uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming they needed <laughs> more power and space and militarising stuff, so they got more powerful batteries, which led to being used in Hoovers. Because obviously we knew that there was no, teenagers up in space, because I mean, that's the only time I'm using it, for a hoovering crumbs. There's no actual driving force to make a battery-operated hoover on Earth, because generally you're in your house, and you've got an extension cable that's five metres or so, I've so you can rabbits. hoover. So there's no way I'm having cables trailing about the place. Try that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was rabbit-driven then. It was, it was rabbit-driven, no cables, nothing listen, to They're just through. thinking ahead, rabbits in space is a thing. <laughs> Artificial Which limbs. is why it's wireless, so they choose through stuff. So they're not uh, yeah. Artificial limbs. Oh Art- yeah, 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 I'd heard about this one. Is, yeah. is this because of the uh, like the robotic arms etc. Yeah, robotic arms, shock absorbers as well for if they really? landed on a, a surface. Oh, right. Yeah, and that then led to. So how did robotic, robotic arms lead to prosthetics? So that that is actually the stuff been... that you plug into. Like somebody's lost an arm, they get a robotic arm that they can control with their yeah. brain. Or even well, just the kind of more, just, just more the physical form of it because just, yeah. you need something that's dexterous enough because yeah. there's a lot of equipment that you grew. Mm. Can you put your arm out in any space and, yeah. and turn that place? Uh, I'd rather not. Yes. Uh, yeah. So there'll be a lot of equipment that they need that's of a, a particular form and a particular mm. study enough to be able to withstand some impact. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, um, we've, there's a few other things that have come from NASA, like exercise, treadmills. I think treadmills oh. were NASA because they couldn't exercise in space, so had to they find got, a way to run in one spot. Yeah, run in one spot. Yeah, but so you held up. You can't even deliver it, deliver it anyway. So no. you're okay. It's, it's yeah. no need to exercise. That's right. Uh, and resistance bands, I think, because they've got no weight to push oh, against. Okay. So that was another thing. These just they make things lose. harder for the rest of us. Uh, they uh, lose bone density and. Uh. Um, so they need to exercise. I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it's one of the experiments that show if you don't exercise, your body starts to fall apart. Yeah, and you find that anyway. The so the, the astronauts that have been out for an extended period of time coming back, they take a long time to recover. They're sliding they need taller, to aren't they? Yeah. Oh, no, no, <laughs> why, why, why did you mention that to me? Why, why is that a thing? But overnight, 
you are like a couple of centimetres taller in the morning. That's right. Now we're talking. Unless you're sleeping upright, of course. No, no in fact, do you know what? I can actually refer So a couple of years ago, I did an experiment. And I think it was... The, I think it was the year group that I've just finished uh, when they were in higher or not five. Um, and we were talking about that and just, in fact, it would have been higher because we were looking at uncertainties. Right. And there was a boy in the class, quite a tall boy, and got him to stand at the door, measure his height, and then lie down on the floor. Instantly afterwards, measure his height again, centimetre or two different. Really? Just, just from lying down? Just from lying down straight away. Now we're talking, and so what I really need to do is just lie down more. <laughs> The things you are not me. Oh, today I'm mostly teaching from the floor. I'm much taller than you are now. Uh, okay, um, the jaws of life. Freeze dry food. Jaws of life, yeah, yeah. yes. The cutters yes. to get people, uh, kind of car wreck and things uh -huh. like that. The devices to basically cut the car apart to rescue the person inside. Yeah. Now, um, why weren't they developed? Why didn't they, why did it take NASA to develop that? And why can't we develop it on Earth? Because they, they were used for is it separating spaceships or something? Yeah, parts of the yeah, parts of the space shuttle. Things like that, no, just anything that needs so again, I guess in space you can't, you haven't got the force. You, you can't use the force because you're in a spacesuit or you're outside. So you need something that's hydraulically driven. Uh -huh. Whereas on Earth, perhaps you're not looking for that so much. You don't think of that because you haven't got that limitation. You, you've got firemen, I guess, that can exert quite a bit of force and maybe leverage, and they can move around on Earth. Whereas you need to develop something specific in space, and that's where it came. Well, you're from. probably looking for something that can apply a massive amount of force without the weight people. and yeah. a lot of people that uh, take yeah, it. Because yeah. every 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 gram is. Every ounce will be yeah. uh, a particular issue for for space travel, which is why like freeze dried foods, I think. Yeah. For yes. in terms of like the MRI, I uh, was it the meal? Oh, I've forgotten the term for it. The one they use for the military rations. They've got use the freeze dried oh, foods yeah, that yeah. they've got there, but you obviously want to be carrying food that is nutritionally acceptable, but also. Yeah weight-wise isn't going to take that much mm. to carry it and to pack it and to store it, etc. I think isn't water one of the most expensive things oh, per gram to take uh, to space? It's exactly the same for camping or for yeah. uh, cycling or hiking or anything else, you know. You, you want to take enough water to be able to travel, but if you are travelling someplace where there's a water source, so it makes a massive yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah so freeze-drying, uh, in science we use it quite a lot. Yeah. So chemists will use it quite a lot. In, when you've made a product, an aqueous solution, you freeze it and then you lyophilize it, which is freeze drying. Uh, you take it to low pressure and you just the water evaporates and you're left with a solid sample. I want you to spell that word. Lyophilize. Lyophilize. You just made that up as well. I don't know the origins of it. We were talking about origins of Greek words no, before. No, but, uh, lysis, for example, splitting. Yeah. Uh, lyophilize which is probably splitting with water or splitting from water, separating from water, maybe. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's, see, let's yes. go Let's go with it. Yes. We agree. Uh, but that's interesting with, with reducing the pressure and having the water evaporate straight off. And you'll see, uh, yeah, I won't go any further with that one, but, um, but people are heading on holiday in the summer, so they'll be going on an aeroplane, and they'll notice the upturn of the wingtips at the end. Oh. So we should start, we should have a little chat about that, because that is winglets. directly from NASA. Uh, and these are called winglets, which increase the efficiency of flight, so they use less fuel, or they can go further for using less fuel. Hmm. It essentially just cuts down turbulent air. Is it so the, the, the resistance that you're actually setting, slicing through the air? Uh, so like if, you, if, you've get, if you've got a wing that's just completely level with no winglet, 
the the way that the air, the air moves around the wing is fine until you get to the last couple of feet of the wing, but because there's then this side edge, then it starts to get turbulent and you get these little cycles Dang. and that actually reduces the lift that the wing can generate. So they came up with this idea of the winglet, the origin of which I don't know if we'll delve into too much because I think we're going to talk about it at some point, but it was it was observed in the animal kingdom and it was a way to reduce the essentially reduce the length of the wing without affecting the overall lift so, so that big aircraft like the A380 yeah. could land on any runway because they can only be so long. Yeah, and it is limited <coughs> to NASA, but why? Because NASA will be in space, the rocket would go up into space, there's no air resistance there in space, nope. so how, did, how do you think NASA developed that? Because well, it is obviously, you need air and turbulence for it to work. My assumption would be because they've got to come back. I mean, you look at the design. You look at the design of rockets then and now, like in the like your old. So this would be the Challenger series. Yeah, yeah. Columbia Challenger. Uh, they were they looked like an aeroplane, so yeah. they had to take off like a like a rocket. Yeah. But they had to land. They had to kind of glide. But we didn't see down. that on that um, reusable craft, did we? Which reusable craft? Well, the Challenger. But when it came back in, we didn't see the the winged, the winglets on it. No. 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 So I wonder, because I don't remember seeing it on NASA, I remember seeing it attributed to NASA, but... Because there's another one for that, about the, they take away that turbulence, it's exactly the same technology that's employed in submarines and they propel, because really? submarine wants to be quiet. To yeah. And what you want to do is when, when you actually have a propeller that rotates round the space where uh, that force has actually moved the water, yeah. the water will collapse back into that space you've got there, and that creates sound. It's called cavitation. Yeah. Uh, and when oh, it gives that cavitation, bubbles. and it's cavitation bubbles, which is how you might get detected. I think I hear a submarine over there. So they actually need to try and fight against that uh, physical property. To, to reduce the collapse of the water, to reduce the bubbles, to reduce the noise. Mm -hmm. uh, the cavitation though, that's interesting because there's no air down there. If you're underneath the water, there's no air. So these are vacuum bubbles. Yes. So basically bubble, bubbles with nothing in there. You formed, like, that says that's where the cavitation comes, there's nothing in there. That's quite interesting. Yeah. So it'll be a vapour bubble in some ways. There might be some yeah. sort of vapour water in there. Just if it's heated up enough to... I wonder if aircraft are quieter because they've got the winglets on. See, that's why reading juice. Well, I'm reading the hunt for Red October just now. And that's, that's how they've made their silent drive. Yeah, it's, it's very comfortable. We'll have a look. That's good. Weaponised NASA. Yeah. Very well. But I guess there'll be a lot of cases where things that came for that within a lot of the scientific fields that they had that would have gone military, yeah. would have gone into, into space travel yeah. and then gone into commercial use back and forth. And I guess but, this is when we talk about interdisciplinary learning, <coughs> we don't really, I, I mean school is kind of artificial, we have these discrete subjects out of necessity, but really you're thinking across the subjects and taking your skills from English and your analytical skills into science or into art or into geography. Um, you're using it across the board to develop these links, which is what NASA's done, how these things have trickled down. Or a problem solving yeah. that you're sitting with an issue that you've actually either discovered or uh, experienced in one particular area. You go, actually, I know a guy, or I know a few, yeah. or I may have known something about this. that could be useful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a silly example we've seen is a super soaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's not from any inventions that used in NASA, it's not, it, but it, <laughs> the link is it's from a NASA scientist. Or just up there kind of going, hey, hey guys, <laughs> yeah. where's that water gone? 
think, I think the idea was he was looking at increasing the efficiency, like fuel injection. Oh, okay. So you use a, a force to force oh, the fuel into the tank, and it's better than using gravity or whatever they use in cars. And he transferred that, weirdly enough, to a water pistol. So you pump up the water pistol, and obviously in weed killer, when you're spraying weed yeah. killer around, you might have a pressurised tank yeah, to spray yeah, it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he used to to the super soaker, and you pump it up, and you can use your water pistol and spray it further, I guess. I thought the basis uh, of that would have been just to, to generate it as an aerosol, so you yeah. actually had uh, something that's not just water. Yeah, well, well, which is the principle of yeah, deodorant and sprays, isn't it? You've got the spray in there and it forces the, the gas out. Absolutely. And feels colder afterwards because of the expansion. This is actually starting to feel like a Monty Python story. <laughs> 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 What's NASA ever done for us? Uh, okay, how much time have we got left? We've got a bit more time left. The, the um, space, the blankets at the end of running races or endurance races. Oh, yeah, the heat blankets and heat blankets. Do you know much about those? Just to be cosy, it means you look like a turkey. I feel a bit worn out here, put you in the oven. They don't it. look like they should work, because you feel no. you should have a warm woolen blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And blanket. they're not exactly thick and padded, no. are they? They're just. But that's sheep. a NASA invention, yeah. <coughs> which is. Again, maybe it's, it's, it's a, saving weight. It's a heat resistant yeah. plastic. So I is think it? it's plastic oh, it? and aluminium, yes. Oh, I thought it was just, just metal. assumed it was, it was aluminium. Oh, aluminium, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a heat-reflecting plastic uh, coated in aluminium. So there is some metal oh, okay. on there. But it's plastic for the flexibility, I suppose, maybe. Yeah. Um, and developed in the 1950s. So it can obviously keep heat in and act as an insulator to keep the astronauts warm. So the general barrier. Uh, and not too hot to insulate them against the extreme changes of heat yeah. in space. Oh. And then trickle down to using after uh, marathon races, I guess, for stopping people losing too much heat and getting too cold. Yeah, especially if it was like a triathlon or something yeah. like that, when they're, they're maybe, if it's a triathlon and they're already wet with sweat or yeah. water, and then you just lose heat. So That's right, it wouldn't absorb, I didn't think of that, actually, you wouldn't absorb moisture from you. If you had like like a fabric, then it's going to absorb that and it might get even colder. Yeah. Oh. There you go. I found one there just now, memory foam. And oh, I realised yeah. the memory foam they've got there, and the basis for it is that um, the astronaut seats, they, they would essentially they'd be moulded, they'd mould to the astronaut's body as during takeoff, etc. Oh, okay. uh, and it saved the fact that they'd actually need to customise the seats because of the amount of force that they're experiencing yeah. during, during takeoff, the G's that they're pulling, yeah. they want to make sure that they are actually protected and supported. Uh, for your body, not for your body, I'm <laughs> less interested. But I would save that, that whole uh, recycling there, etc. Yeah. Uh, your, your mattresses, etc. are all using much so, the same technology. Yeah, memory foam's a, a weird one. So if the astronaut sat on it, it would shape to their body. Yeah. But when the astronaut came off it, it would rebound yeah, so to original flat surface. So it's, 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 not, it's not one size yeah, fits so all. So when, when they're coming back down, if you know, somebody else wanted to sit in the middle and one of the other astronauts wanted I to win, they could swap over. And, <laughs> and the memory foam would adjust to, to them instead. That's, not, that's my seat. <laughs> mm, well, it's me holding to my shape, I was going to say. I'm sure astronauts don't fight over the window seat. Better they do. Uh, we'll finish up with um, the terminology because we've got uh, American astronauts 
uh, Russian cos cosmonauts. Mm. Is there any difference? Well, astro from the language, language and <laughs> basically, language. Uh, strictly yes. speaking, astro means star. Yeah, cosmo. Cosmos is space. So, or uni is it not universe or is it just space? Oh, the slightly different meanings, but no, certainly not. Travel or navigation? Yeah, oh. sailor. Nauts. Yeah, no. so nautical. So you've got space sailor and star sailor. Um, oh, we should totally just call them that. Why do we call them Star Sailor? It does sound better. But what about the Chinese? No idea. Taikonauts. Is that right? Taikonauts? Apparently so. That's I saw cool. that this morning. That sounds quite cool. T-A-I-K-A, Taikonauts. Just to have a different name, so whoever comes out on top in the next 15 years, they can... You get uh, to name it, yeah. yeah. You get to call it whatever you want. Yes. That becomes the, the most popular one. Okay, right, thank you very much. Not at all. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Lot.